Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Moss. We need to talk about transit, specifically about the new uh, fare increase that the TriMet Board of Directors passed at their meeting on Wednesday of this week. You might have seen the coverage on Bike Portland where we I was actually at the meeting uh, and they raised the fare about 30 cents about across the board. Not everything went up. So annual and monthly hot pass users uh, did not see an increase. But for the most part, as of January 1st next year, transit just got more expensive in Portland. And it's a big deal, right? Because uh, the, the mode of transportation we use is all about competition. And as the price of a specific mode goes up, there are some people that uh, that makes it less attractive to them and they can't afford it and they've got to do other things. In this case, you can make the argument that if folks can't afford to ride transit, they are going to be more likely to try to get inside of a car or even in a lot of cases, maybe not make that trip, you know, not get to the hospital, not go meet a friend, not go over to the park and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, we are a low car news outlet. We cover everything having to do with folks that are trying to live without driving so much. So talking about transit and covering transit is something uh, we've always done. And I think this fair hike issue is definitely something that is worth our attention. So let's back up a bit. The context here is that TriMet, like a lot of other transportation agencies, we've been doing coverage about uh, the city of Portland's uh, books and their budget is in very, very bad shape. That actually deserves its own podcast episode as well. I'm working on that. But TriMet, like also like PBOT and also like uh, the Oregon Department of Transportation to some degree, they are stuck in this place. This really awkward, I, I hope it's a transitory place. I hope it's a transition to something better. But essentially, the funding model for funding transportation in America, it's just really broken. And I don't, I don't think it matters if you're TriMet, PBOT, ODOT, whatever. We just, in this country, for some reason, have not found a way to really have people understand the value of transportation and fund it in a responsible way. Now, the basic issue that these agencies share is that it's easy for them to get big federal grants for big capital projects, like a new bridge, or in the in the case of TriMet, a new max line. But it's not that easy, and they don't tend to prioritize operations and maintenance, right? So when I talk about operations from a TriMet perspective, that's stuff like paying, uh, paying bus drivers, uh, paying people to keep transit stations clean, paying to improve safety on the system so that when folks do ride transit, they feel good about it and have a good experience. There's lots of different operational costs that go with, that go with these pieces of infrastructure. But unfortunately, the way the funding is set up, it's all basically geared toward the big shiny projects. And we know what this is like with you know the Federal Highway Administration building a massive freeway system but not really having the money to maintain it and now and now those bills are due and we aren't able to pay them right so there is this problem that we don't have enough money to operate these systems that we build and the other big thing is that sometimes the revenue sources themselves are problematic actually on some of those big federal grants the local transportation agencies aren't able to just do what they want with that money. They're very strict. Uh, they're very strict strings attached to these big federal grants, so they can't be flexible with them and maybe fill a budget hole over here with them, or or use them to make payroll or something like that. So these big federal grants are not flexible. They can't be used uh, in, in like a discretionary way. But also another big issue, and there are parallels here between TriMet and let's say PBOT is is again, where the money is coming from. So in a perfect world, some people may say, we don't need transit fares, but from TriMet's perspective, even if even if there are people on the TriMet board that wanted to go fareless, they it's hard for them to walk away from that fare box revenue. It, it may seem like a small drop in the bucket, but 
in the relative to their operating budget, it's actually important for them like in the short term. So if you go to a TriMet board member or I'm sure TriMet leadership, TriMet staff, they would kind of freak out if you were to take out, take away that whatever it was, almost $5 million a year in fare box revenue. So, and, and, then, and then in Peabot's case, an, an example of that is how you know, Peabot is very committed to reducing their climate change impacts and getting people out of cars, yet both of their main discretionary sort of local funding sources, their, both of their revenue sources come from what? Driving cars. So, right, gas tax and, and parking fees. So this tension between where the revenue comes from and the, uh, the policy goals that these agencies might have, those are just some reasons why the funding of the transportation system is sort of inherently broken and problematic. But uh, let's zero back in on TriMet specifically and this uh, fare hike they voted on this week. From TriMet's perspective, they say that it was long overdue. They say that the new increase, which makes an adult fare about $2.80, uh, there was actually one of the board members at the meeting before casting her yes vote. Uh, she was saying that if you actually did the math according to inflation, a $2.80 fare today is basically exactly the same as the whatever it was 30 or 60 cent fare back in like 1969 so from TriMet's perspective this was simply a procedural move they needed to increase the fares to help offset uh some of the losses they're having and help them continue to fund the operational side of their system so according to the ordinance that was actually voted on their maintenance and operation costs have increased on average by about 4.2% annually over the last decade. So about $13.8 million increase on average every year. That includes, they're saying it includes stuff like uh, beefed up security on their system. Uh, they ha they do get payroll taxes and income from the, the federal government and other agencies. And they of course get all sorts of grants and other things to run their system. And recently they've also uh, gotten money from, the, from federal stimulus funding, which they say will be depleted at the end of this fiscal year. But they they say that the fair revenue is still a very important part of their operating budget, and actually the sources that they use for operation haven't kept pace with their expenses. So, so according to TriMet, they'll start experiencing a deficit as early as their fiscal year in 2026. And they say, quote, at, at, at that point, current levels of operations and service delivery will not be sustainable. Uh, so for all these reasons, TriMet says a fair increase is necessary. Interestingly enough, TriMet's own equity analysis found that this fare increase would indeed have a disparate impact on low-income riders and riders from certain ethnic minority groups. But they were able to go forward with it anyway because they say they're they're putting in some mitigations uh, to help out those riders who are impacted, like expanding uh, the locations where you can buy a hop card, maintaining the current monthly fare caps across all the different kind of fares that they have, uh, and having other kind of discount programs and improving other kind of discount programs like their Honored Citizen program and their Lyft program and things like that. So like I said, six board members voted for it, one voted against it. So that's sort of TriMet side, they are saying that, you know, their financial picture is bad enough that if they don't have this fare box revenue, uh, they are going to be in really bad shape. Uh, and notably that notably TriMet says that they get about $4.9 million every year just through fair, fair income alone. So they're saying if they uh, turn the spigot off for fair income, they're going to be down almost $5 million a year. And they say that that will have a pretty big impact on their ability to operate their system if they don't have it. But from the other side of the coin, of course, there are transit activists and other folks who rely on transit who 
just think this is the absolute wrong direction to go. And they fought it pretty hard. Opal Environmental Justice Oregon, who they have a campaign called Bus Riders Unite. They've been organizing folks to speak up against the fare hike. Uh, back in December, uh, we actually ran on Bike Portland a guest opinion from a member, uh, one of the organizers with uh, Opal's Bus Rider Unite campaign, someone named Tristan Isaac. Uh, he's very critical of TriMet's motives here. I want to just quote from part of his op-ed. Uh, it said, fares function less as a critical source of revenue and more as a convenient justification to control who is allowed to ride the transit system by criminalizing homelessness and poverty. Their op-ed goes on to say that we can surmise that the issues at TriMet stem largely from a lack of visionary leadership rather than a lack of resources. And then the, the opinion got pretty uh, critical, pretty directly critical of board board members themselves where, when it said, with a few exceptions, the board of directors is assembled of retirees, paper pushers, and functionaries with dubious qualifications and problematic opinions. Wow. So that is from a guest opinion from somebody with Opal's Bus Riders Unite campaign. So it was clear even back in December that these two forces were kind of like coming uh, to a head and that the TriMet board and folks from Opal were going to meet in a way that was not that was pretty acrimonious. And we definitely saw that come to a head on Wednesday. So on Wednesday at the meeting, uh, it opened up as a normal meeting. There was a public forum where people testified. I think almost everyone that testified from the public was against the fair hike. But while these folks were testifying, there was a rally forming over in Waterfront Park. And then the protesters in that rally, again, which was organized by Opal, uh, they marched over to the meeting, came into the meeting, and then the fireworks really started. Folks were yelling. Uh, they had signs, and they were kind of walking into the front of the meeting. And at several occasions, the the leader of the board, uh, I believe her name is Dr. Linda Simmons, she just got up and left pretty quickly. But before I kind of go through what happened in the day, let's stick to the timeline, and I'll share just a snippet of a few of the folks that showed up to the public hearing to testify I want to give you a sense of what their arguments against the fair hike were. This first person introduced themselves as Thomas Craig, someone who's ridden uh, TriMet buses for 30 years. Vote no on Ordinance 374. And then tomorrow, vote with the voice you've been given in every venue you can to find the new long-term multi-billion dollar operational, and because I have 30 seconds, I'm going to say that word again, operational investments we need to accomplish the goals we all have. Thank you. And this next person is Jay Amici. They're with um, a nonprofit called Unite Oregon. Listen to how she lays out the case for people who are transit dependent and are also on low incomes and don't have any other way to get around. And as someone who depends on public transit to commute and perform daily activities, I'm disheartened that members of this board who are not themselves transit dependent are considering a fare increase which has a disproportionate impact on low-income communities, communities of color, and the environment. While the fare increase may appear to be a small matter, the ramifications are far-reaching, as many have already said. As inflation balloons out of control, more and more people in our community face financial challenges, and increasing the cost of public transit would only exacerbate this financial burden. This issue extends beyond matters of economic justice. It is a matter of racial equity, as individuals like myself from communities of color are more likely to depend on public transit as their primary mode of transportation. The bus is pretty much the only public space in Portland that I regularly experience as majority black. 
And I know that claims have been made that discounts will be available for low-income individuals and families. And to that, I respond that the poor are not circus animals. We shouldn't have to jump through hoops on your command to access basic services and needs. And you may not know this, but it can be a cumbersome process to access discount programs, which often require filling out confusing paperwork, traveling across town to a benefits office, and waiting in long lines. Public transit is a public benefit, and it should be available without the need to sort through mounds of red tape. Moreover, increasing fares will have a negative impact of the, on the environment. We all know that transportation is one of the biggest sources of greenhouse gas emissions, and TriMet needs to be doing everything in, the in their power to encourage more people to take public transportation, not less. Instead of raising fares, you must explore alternatives that move away from punitive measures, such as fare enforcement, and make fares accessible to all. It would boggles the mind that you would stake your political integrity on such an inequitable ordinance, because is this how you want to be remembered, as the people who made life more difficult for those who are already suffering in a difficult time? My name is Sam Butler. I am a student at Portland State University. On a personal note, the affordable fares on TriMet services are one of the main things that allows me to live in the city without owning a car and contributes greatly to making college somewhat affordable and convenient for me. I know many other students that feel the same way. Have courage, listen to your constituents today, and consider a move towards fareless transit as other cities are doing. So as you could hear, there are quite a diverse range of opinions against this thing. But like I said, as these folks were testifying, there was a rally that had started across the street in the Japanese American Historical Plaza and Waterfront Park. Uh, and I talked to a few folks there too, just to kind of get a vibe. What do we want? No what do we want? Free transit. What do we want it? Now. What do we want? Free transit. When do we want it? Now. Be fearless. Uh, tell me what brought you out today? Um, because I believe that uh, transit should be free. <laughs> Simple answer. I'm Amanda Bryles, and um, I would prefer there not be an uh, increase in fares. What do you make of TriMet's argument that they, they, they desperately need this fare increase to kind of stay above water? Well, I know they have issues with finances, but this is not a way to go about it as far as I'm concerned. I've been tri riding TriMet since I was 15 years old, and and I really like it and I really rely on it. And now that I have less income, I'm really concerned about fares going up. I love TriMet, but I don't love the fare hike idea. Well, I'm tired of watching the planet be incinerated and I see this as another step in the depraved and kind of uh, nonchalant, uh, you know, feckless attitudes of bureaucrats and the step and fetch it's of the bourgeoisie uh, sitting on the board there looking for ways to patch their budget which will not offend the people who have the resources that they need to disgorge in order to make public services functional. If TriMet was to say, okay, we're not going to do the fare hike and there's going to be some short-term service cuts, but we're going to work in, in earnest to find a, a different revenue model and move toward, you know, reducing fares as we supplant, you know, as we subsidize in other ways. Would you be willing to accept like a short-term service reduction? I, personally, that would be preferable, but I'm, I'm not going to speak for all other riders. You'd have to look. I think that there might be routes, maybe the routes that are uh, frequented by people who are very affluent, you know, uh, I don't want to hit working class people with service cuts, but it's potentially possible, yeah. I mean, there's things like the the West, which is a complete disaster, it's a nightmare, it's a, it's a budget loser, 
uh, probably it should just be shut down altogether. But there's definitely places where I could see potentially service uh, diminution to save uh, money, you know, as you say, in order to patch over to a different revenue model that can address their budget shortfalls. Yeah, I think it's conceivable. What do you think the next step for, for activists like you folks that really care about this? I think we need about a thousand people here instead of 40 people, maybe a couple thousand. We, we need many thousands of people to descend on them and scare the living crap out of them. And that's the answer. That's, that's the only way that change has ever come about in, in you know, any societies. So as this rally walked over and came into the meeting, things got tense pretty much as soon as board president Linda Simmons started reading the ordinance number for the fair hike. And you can hear the folks in the back of the room start demanding a vote and other things uh, in this clip right here. Being on ordinance 374 regarding a fair increase proposal. And I'm gonna ask general counsel Shelley Devine to read the ordinance by title only. Thank you, Ms. Board President. Ordinance number 374 of the Tri-County Metropolitan. Please, ordinance, please. Please refrain. And at that point, the board president had had enough, and she just picked up her stack of papers and walked out with the rest of the board members. And for a while, I think people assumed that they would come back and it would be just a temporary recess, temporary recess. But it was kind of awkward in the room. There were a bunch of people in suits who were like TriMet staff and other interested folks. Uh, and then you had all the protesters. Uh, and a few minutes passed, and there were people yelling into mics and kind of trying to use that that platform to to talk about why they opposed the uh, fair hikes and whatnot. And then one of the protesters realized that the entire board was just in a different meeting room that was basically right across the hallway. So everybody got up en masse and marched over to right outside that door. And this is what that sounded like. Hey, the board members are in the room 150 right outside the door. We all want to go outside the door. Yeah. And then the uh, protest intensified and it moved into the hallway right outside the room where the board members were meeting. And as this started, there was a, one official who was with, with TriMet in some capacity. I was never able to get his name or his title, but he came out into the hallway and thought that he'd be able to sort of like broker some kind of peace deal between the protesters and the board members. Hey guys, we got an update for you. No fair increase, right? But I was thinking, so we're, what we're trying to do is to come back into an environment in here where the vote can just proceed. Um, and the board's ready to do that, right? But what they need is, is at least not people moving forward. You guys can, and you got signs, and you can be loud, you can state your opinion. He right? had this idea that if, if like the protesters would just be willing to, to agree to some, some modicum of respect for the board members, that they would be able to come back out into the room and have the meeting in public. So in this next clip, you'll hear from that TriMet rep, and then you'll hear from Lee Helfand, who is the executive director of Opal. 
we can go back in and, and you know, you guys can be there. That, does that sound all right? We'll move back into the room. You guys will be there. It'll be on TV. You guys will be able to state your opinion and we'll yes. move on. But yeah, we welcome that. Lee, if we want to make a comment before we go in there. Were we invited? We got it. Listen, these board members, did any of you vote for these board members? No! What are we voting here today? We're voting on a fair increase. Are any of you in support of a fair increase today? No! That is your vote. That is the vote that's happening today. There didn't seem to be a lot of agreement or willingness to talk from op from the Opal uh, protesters at that point. But ultimately, the meeting did get started at least one more time where the board members came back out into the room to have the meeting in public. But then once it came time for board members to sort of do their remarks right before they were going to vote, it only lasted for about two or three board members before the crowd started getting rowdy again and started yelling and, and sort of like heckling. And there was this like sense that they were like live fact checking the board members and calling them on stuff as they would talk and they were generally not letting them speak as they were trying to you know explain their ration their various rationales for why they were going to vote yes on the fair hike so once again the board president got up and left but not before she gave the uh, protesters like a stern warning this is your last warning that if you are disruptive and interfere with any of us talking. This meeting will be recessed and go virtual so that you won't actually be present when the vote is taken. So that's that. You don't respect our voice. We have not had a chance. We have, we shall, we have not had. We're volunteers and we showed up, but we, we can't do our job if you can't let us Okay, I'm going to stop this right now and we're going to continue and I'm going to speak next and if any one of you opens your mouth. <laughs> And that was it. You just heard board president Simmons uh, giving up. That was her last chance. She gave folks to not yell and heckle as she was trying to talk. So at any rate, I think there was obviously some frustration from the board president that they weren't able to conduct the meeting and they really just wanted to do it without having to go into a private sort of base, not a private session because it was still being beamed onto the TV screens, of course, because this thing was also happening on YouTube virtually. But nevertheless, they weren't able to continue doing the meeting uh, in the public. So they went into their room and they basically stayed there for good. Now, at this point, the protesters realized that the board members were not going to be coming back to the main meeting room. So in sort of like, uh, I don't know, January 6th style, someone said in a comment on the, on one of our posts, uh, the protesters went to the front of the room and took over the seats formerly occupied by the board members. They sat there behind their mics and at one point even held like a mock vote. And they were kind of, I think, enjoying the moment, holding their signs up high. Uh, and it was 
it was pretty awkward because still in the room across from the protesters were a couple dozen folks in suits, right? So these are TriMet staff, the, the TriMet lawyer, stuff like that. All the sort of TriMet and TriMet stakeholders that were there that aren't on the board, they were still in the room. Uh, but the board was gone, and they were just watching it on screen. But in front of the room were all these protesters who were sort of getting more and more animated and more and more sort of aggressive with their criticisms. Some of them were still in the hallway. At this point, they were banging on the walls of the uh, room where the where the uh, TriMet board members were meeting. And and it was a little bit chaotic for sure, but the vote went on. Uh, the each each board member uh, gave their remarks and shared why they wanted to increase fares. And the one that I heard the most of came from the the board secretary, Ozzy Gonzalez. You might remember uh, Gonzalez's name. He ran for mayor actually against uh, Mayor Ted Wheeler in 2020. He didn't make it out of the primary. So he actually finished fourth. He finished like several thousand votes behind third place, which I think was Teresa Rayford. And he finished like 30,000 votes behind Sarah Honorone, who obviously lost to Mayor Wheeler in 2020. I think Gonzalez had like a little bit less than 6% of the vote when he ran. Anyway, that's that's a side note. So uh, Gonzalez is on the TriMet board, and he had a pretty interesting speech before he voted yes. And I'm going to play, I think I'm going to play most of it, but I want you to listen to specifically to the part where he comes out and directly uh, criticizes Opal's tactics and actually accuses them of paying people to show up. Uh, he, these are some very serious accusations. And as an aside, I actually had a conversation with Gonzalez today, and I'll be doing some more reporting on that next week. But here is Gonzalez's speech uh, explaining why he is going to vote for the fair hike. And while you listen to this, you'll definitely hear in the background the shouting and the banging on the wall from the protesters. Because it's an interesting moment right now. We're seeing democracy in action, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and we're trying to do our best as a society to make this process a democratic one that's in the end gonna give us a system that we can all be proud of. Now, a point I need to make is that fares are a part of the equation. And fares, regardless of what path we start to take, will continue to be a part of that formula. Because when, even though it's only 10% of our overall cost for a ticket, to not have fares be in the equation puts at risk the other 90%. And we have, for the last 10 years, not looked at fares because we've been looking at all of the other potential avenues and try to avoid this at all costs. We're in a position now where trying to address fares is not coming because we haven't looked at every other option. It's because every other option on the table's got us stretched as far as we can take it right now, and fares need to be a part of this. And we can't just walk forward without including fares in the conversation. I don't know if 10, 20, 15, 5% is our target, but fares, whether they're coming from the person writing or somebody else subsidizing that, have to be part of the overall cost formula. At least that's the way the cookies are crumbling right now because every other agency in the country is running into the problem of having to figure out how to fill gaps. And if fares are not part of that, they're at a disadvantage from all the other agencies. So I'm grateful for the agency that we're not putting ourselves in a, in a vulnerable position where we're having to close the light, turn off lights and close buildings today. We're being prudent, we're being conservative in looking at this, of what the problem will be months from now. 
And not everybody out there has the luxury to worry about what life is gonna be like months from now. It's a luxury we have. But we're utilizing this time to make prudent decisions so that we don't have worse options down the road. So I, I acknowledge all of that. And in this moment of democracy, you know, on one side I see a lot of courage. And I know that there's no rationale that I can give you today that's gonna help make sense of why this is okay to do now. I read the t-shirt, no fair increase now, no fair increase ever. I get it. Um, there's never a convenient time for this to happen. And it's why it's this inconvenience that's made us last this long looking at every other option under the sun without this. So what I want to say is not so much a rationale for why this thing makes sense to me, although I believe that with the mitigations in place, we are actually encouraging high ridership, high frequency ridership. We're actually helping lean into the expectation that if we're going to increase fares, well, we better be delivering more value. And I think TriMet's making good on that. We're doing our very best. But we're not in this alone. We need a community out there that is willing to be a, a, a partner. And I love that everybody says they want to work with us. And I've heard this coming from the public. I've heard it today in public discourse. I saw it in letters coming from other elected officials. We heard our representative, Khan Pham, today say, chime in from Salem to say they want to work with us. Well, I wish you would have said that sooner because we've been, we've been working through this for years. This is not new. These issues are not new. And even within TIAC and even within our committee partners, we've been having this conversation for a while. And so the message I have um, is really not so much a rationale, but I want to express what I want from our partners. Because we are really trying to do something difficult and maintain a system that's viable while simultaneously growing it back. So if you want us to have a good system, if you really are on the side of a good, reliable public transit system that's going to address climate change, equity, accessibility, and all the things that it can do when we let it shine, well then I'd like to see you really lean into the partnership equation. Help us find those tax revenues. If tax the rich is a solution, help us take that message to Salem. Help us get the elected officials to actually do their job. Instead of just telling us that they stand with us, help us get them to do their job and go to Salem and propose legislation that's gonna tax and grow greater tax revenue for public transit. Help us do that. Help us create a culture of ridership that is respectful, that helps us maintain the system clean. But what I'm seeing is very disappointing today because it's capricious to think that just wanting something is gonna get it. And it's very destructive to encourage people to evade fares, to be disrespectful to a process. And I'm hearing today very, very discouraging messages from our community. When you're celebrating people that are gonna evade fares proudly or boycott the system, you're not helping TriMet become better. You're not helping TriMet become more viable. You're not helping TriMet become safer. If you really wanna help us, become a bus driver. Become a fair, uh, a community service worker. Become an ambassador for good ridership. Help the thing stay clean. Keep eyes and ears on the system so that we're all taking care of it. Because that's what we need. We don't need to be told that this thing needs to be free without a path for us to get there. I wish that we had that magic wand that could make this thing free. But I know that I don't have it. I would love 
for us to be able to look at what's going to make the system strong. And I would love for all of this passion and all of this energy and all of this attention to be directed towards actually making solutions. And I want to acknowledge the international students that brought some studies today. That is a beautiful example of the way we, we, we work together to contribute to a conversation, to learn from one another. I don't know what motivated those students to conduct a survey and bring that knowledge to us, but they have brought more value in six minutes of public testimony in one meeting than I'm going to say the five years I've watched Opal sitting in committees with us. And I'm very disappointed when an organization that wants to be at the table doesn't utilize that table to actually bring ideas forward. And I'm really disappointed that right now we're confusing democracy by having paid advertising brought to the public forum when people are being paid to come say things, when people don't even know where that money's coming from that's paying them to come say these things. I think we're tarnishing the premise of democracy. And I believe that anybody who's a tax-exempt organization needs to be very careful when they're leaning into tax policy in this way. Um, and so I'm really disappointed in the way in which we're exhibiting democracy, by the way in which we're confusing working together from working against a process. We aren't even allowed to hear each other comfortably. I'm afraid that most of what I say isn't going to be heard by the folks that I would wish would hear it. And I would love for Opal, Bus Riders Unite, and the organizations that care so much about transit to sit down at the table and help us figure out how to make this thing shine bright. But I'm not seeing any of that happening right now. Um, this Monday morning quarterbacking happening from our public agency partners isn't helping either. And I'm, I'm severely disappointed in how absent they are when it's time to come up with solutions and how um, somehow it's some sort of political protection to tell us what they think we should be doing and to say, I look forward to working with you. Um, there's many that we've been trying to get a call back, trying to get them to participate, but I'm not seeing it. So I'm going to just close by saying that I really would love to see all of this attention and energy to be directed in a proactive, solutions-oriented direction. We're far from that today. And I hope for the best interests of our, of our community and the public transit system at large that we're able to walk into the next few years um, with more riders, with more workers, with more um, drivers, and with a community that is proud to lift up TriMet um, and all of the mobility options. Um, right now, it feels more like our partners want to see us fail than they want to see us succeed. And um, that's, that part breaks my heart. So I'm just going to stop there and say, um, let's exercise our courage and let's vote with our hearts. And regardless of how people vote today, uh, tomorrow still brings the challenge of trying to make the system viable. And I think that's where the real work is. Thank you. So that was it. And uh, here's the roll call and here's the final vote. I'll now ask General Counsel Shelley Devine to hold the roll call vote. On Ordinance 374, I'll start with Director Gonzalez. My vote is yes. Director Edwards. Yes. Director Lewis. Yes. Director Simmons. Yes. Director Bauman. Yes. Director Kim. Yes. Director Way. No. 
audience 274 passes. And after that, there really wasn't much left for the protesters to do. It didn't mean that they stopped doing something, though. They were still, at this point, staking out the room that the board members were in. They were... Uh, several of them were pounding on the walls repeatedly. And basically, the last thing the protesters did was they waited for each board member to leave. And as they left, they, they yelled, cowards, face us, uh, shame on you, and all this other stuff as the board members left. And that was it. Pretty interesting meeting. I, I don't cover TriMet as closely as I cover some other issues, but... Boy, I guess I, I guess I picked quite a meeting to go to because this one was super interesting, and I think it does reveal some important fault lines in this debate. Like I said before, I talked to Gonzalez today to ask him about these really serious accusations he's leveling at uh, Opal Environmental Justice Oregon, and he's saying that they are maybe in violation of their tax-exempt nonprofit status and the like. So. I'm going to be doing some stories on that next week, so watch for that uh, in the future. And uh, that'll do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed this sort of inside look at the TriMet board meeting, and stay tuned for more coverage. As always, thank you for listening. I really appreciate everyone's support out there, if especially, especially if you are a subscriber, if you're a paying contributor to Bike Portland. You are awesome, and I really appreciate it. We need as many people as possible to sign up to keep Bike Portland going strong. The Bike Portland Podcast is a production of Pedaltown Media Incorporated. I'm your host, Jonathan Maz, and until next time, I'll see you in the streets. Bye.